This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack next. America's farmers and ranchers are relying on crop insurance now more than ever before to provide individualized protection and to secure operating loans. Protecting 256 million acres of farmland and 350 commodities across the U.S., crop insurance is the primary safety net for many farmers, enabling them to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Crop insurance, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. This week, our guest is the Secretary of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack. After years of debate, a new farm bill was approved by Congress and signed into law by the President earlier this year. Now the final rules have been released on the Agriculture Risk Coverage Program and the Price Loss Coverage Program. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says direct payments are gone, and now farmers and landowners have a number of options to consider when signing up for risk protection with the new farm law. With ARC and PLC, there are obviously some very important decisions that folks have to make, and that's why starting the 29th, uh, starting uh, Monday, folks will be able to begin the process of determining whether or not they want to reallocate their base acres uh, among commodities and whether they want to adjust their yields. Uh, Owners of land will be able to make those decisions uh, uh, starting uh, September 29th, 2014 and extending until February 27th, 2015. Now, once the owners have made uh, those determinations, then producers uh, have an election. Whether they go to ARC, the individual or the county program or PLC, that's a difficult decision to make without uh, kind of knowing what uh, what each could potentially do for your operation. That's why we spent millions of dollars with the universities to put together a, a tool, a web-based tool, uh, that folks will be able to plug in numbers that are very specific to their operation, uh, make certain assumptions that they feel comfortable making, and they'll find out from that tool uh, and those tools that are online uh, how it, PLC would work with uh, supplemental crop insurance, uh, how ARC individual could compare to uh, ARC County, and then from that, hopefully, they'll be able to be in a position uh, starting November 17th, uh, 2014 to make a determination an election they'll have until at least March 31st of 2015 to make that election. This farm bill offers a lot of flexibility. The tenant is not making a decision for his whole operation, but rather can be made farm by farm. That's exactly right, and commodity by commodity on those farms, depending upon which program you use. That's why these this web-based tool is so important, uh, Jeff, because it gives you the ability to make those uh, sort of those scenarios and see how it how it comes out. Uh, this is a long web uh, web address, but I think it's important for folks to know it uh, so that they can access that online tool and begin sort of playing with it now. It's at fsa.usda.gov slash arc hyphen plc. And they go on that website, they'll be able to see that online tool. They can start playing with it, uh, plug their numbers in, and it uh, comes up with numbers and chart graphs. I've seen it uh, implemented. Um, it, it's pretty slick, um, and, and I think it will help folks. Now, in addition to the web-based tool, you know, we've also provided resources to Extension to host uh, seminars and, and meetings. Um, I was in Minnesota uh, last week, and, and they, they're already planning 60 meetings across the state 
for producers. They're planning meetings for uh, the bankers and the crop insurance agents as well. Uh, there's going to be webinars, and I suspect that that's going to be true in every state of the country. Uh, so producers are going to have plenty of opportunity uh, to learn about these programs. They're going to have plenty of opportunity to play with the numbers uh, because they, we realize how important this decision is for their operation for not just this year, but for the entire length of the Farm Bill. In the three previous years, we might not have thought so much about in the core of the Corn Belt uh, with regard to the farm program because the commodity price was there. But now that we're approaching the cost of production or even a period of time below the cost of production, the numbers that are plugged into these models and the production from each farm become very critical to how well the safety net works. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and that's why it was critically important for us to get this done now and to give people plenty of time to, to, to determine what they think will likely happen now and in the future. Uh, there's also in these, uh, this web-based tool additional information from the universities about what their projections are relative to price. But uh, clearly that's going to be a very important consideration. Do you think prices are going to stay the same? Are they going to go up? Are they going to go down? Obviously with an historic yield and a historic harvest that we're about to approach, the prices are, are where they are. Uh, talking to a couple of farmers, uh, some farmers say, yeah, we, we may have a lot of kernels, but they may not weigh as much as they have in the past. So, you know, it'll be very interesting to see over the course of the next several months uh, where prices go, but it's a good thing we have this in place, and it sort of reminds us again why it was important to get this farm bill done. Well, if anyone ever doubted the cyclical nature of agriculture, you need only look at the charge of the price of the commodity. Now, the question I would have, again, as you write the regulations to implement this policy, given the commodity price for corn and soy and even wheat that we see now, do you see this farm bill providing the savings that many thought that it would? Well, I, th- I think so. You know, at this point in time, the Congressional Budget Office has made certain assumptions, and they believe over time it, it will cost less than the previous uh, farm bill in terms of the safety net. But, you know, but the bottom line, Jeff, I think for people to realize is that's why you have a safety net. Uh, and I think it's important, especially for our non-farm uh, friends, to understand that farming is a risky business. Uh, farmers are putting hundreds of thousands of dollars, in many cases, in the ground every single year without any kind of guarantee that they're going to get that back. And that's why it's important to reduce that risk to a reasonable level so we keep people on the farm and keep keep them farming so that we can be a food secure nation. Uh, so we all benefit from these safety net programs. It's not just the payment that goes to the farmer. It's the reassurance that they have that allows them to go to the banker to get the money to put the crop in the ground uh, that allows them to continue to grow uh, great abundance, uh, employing people uh, in support of our export opportunities and also ensuring that the United States never has to depend on anybody else for food for their people. Do you have the manpower at the FSA and the computer technology that you need to handle this? Because this looks like a load. Well, I think we do, and that's why we sort of spaced everything out. That's why we started with the disaster program to make sure that we could get that processed and down the road a bit. We've already processed 250,000 payments, so $2.7 billion, and, and I would expect that over time we'll begin to see sort of a ratcheting down of that uh, book of business, if you will, uh, at about the time that we need to start ratcheting up uh, uh, this the safety net efforts. So I think we've spaced this and timed it in a way that uh, that works. Uh, I know that we've had uh, we had roughly 300 folks from FSA in here recently for a training on the new uh, on the new program. Uh, they're excited. They're ready to go. Um, I know that Extension and grant universities are very excited about providing the help and assistance, and I think people will find this online tool hopefully uh, 
easy to access and easy to use. Well, there'll be plenty of time here. Of course, now we're in the in the in the push of harvest, but knowing that once the harvest is in, we get a little better picture on the overall size of this crop, the carrier of the crop, what we might expect uh, from the export scene. Then producers have the winter uh, to to crunch the numbers and to see how that data comes down as to ultimately how they want to sign up. But as you and others have mentioned, once you sign up, that decision is final. That's right. Uh, it's a one-time, one-shot uh, decision that imp- impacts your operation for the entire time of the Farm Bill. That's why we think giving from November 17th, uh, 2014, to at least March 31st of 2015 for folks to consider what they should do uh, at a uh, you know, significant amount of time, uh, giving them several uh, several weeks here to, to decide whether to reallocate the base acres and, and yields and so forth. Um, and, and once they make that decision, we expect and anticipate the contracts will be signed uh, sometime mid-April through summer for both 14 and 15 crop years, and payment for the 14 crop year, if any, if needed, will be in October 15. So we think we've spaced this right. You know, we've really made an effort to try to implement all aspects of the farm bill that were significant and important to producers on a time basis, and I think on balance, um, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job so far, knock on wood. I'd like to get your thoughts, if we could, here. We're coming up on the nation, making a decision toward elected officials in November. What's left on the table with Congress with regard to agriculture that you would impress upon that really needs to make it into the lame duck session? <laughs> That's a great question, Jeff, and you're the first person that's asked me that question. Um, well, you know, if I had a wish list... Uh, I would want the Congress to not only finish the budget and do it in, a, in a, an appropriate way to provide the resources that allow us to, to do the work that we need to do, but that they would also uh, give one last effort at trying to do immigration. Uh, I mean, we're still faced with a serious problem across the country of not having enough hands to do the work that we're capable of producing, and it's a really unfortunate. It's a drag on the agricultural economy. Uh, that is certainly uh, critically important. Uh, so uh, at least from our perspective, uh, the budget uh, having some certainty and assurances as to what the budget's going to be, and then uh, immigration in terms of making sure we have adequate workforce. Does their lack of action on immigration push President Obama to have to make decisions on immigration? Well, I think the president's very insistent. Uh, he's heard it from a variety of different aspects of the economy that there is a, a crisis here. There is a need for us to have a, a system that works better, uh, that it actually works. Uh, and the doggone thing about this is that we could reduce the deficit, we could shore up the border, we could shore up Social Security, and we could meet the needs of of so many different industries if we had a workable immigration system. So I I would expect and anticipate the president will take what action he can legally take um, in the absence of of activity by Congress, but his preference, and our preference, would obviously be for Congress to do its job and get a a comprehensive bill through the process. A couple of questions left, if we can. I know the Japanese and the U.S. uh, Trade Representative's Office working on the Trans-Pacific Partnership and their role. How important to resolve the Japanese as a part of this deal and is it an option to walk away? Difficult, I think, at this point to walk away. I think the goal is to keep at the, at the negotiating table to make sure that we get a deal and that we get a good deal and a fair deal to our producers. Uh, in order for that to happen, the Japanese have to be realistic about it, market access uh, and understand the political challenges that that presents. But at the end of the day, if we're going to have fair trade, it, it's got to be. It, it's got to be. If we're going to have free trade, it's got to be fair trade, and it can't be fair if markets uh, are, are unreal realistically constrained. Uh, Certainly on dairy and pork, uh, deep concerns about where the Japanese have been, uh, and hopefully we'll get them to a place where they're more comfortable 
so that we can get this agreement because at the end of the day, we're talking about uh, a significant opportunity here. Hundreds of millions of new customers and consumers for American products that will be hungry for those products uh, in, a, in a growing part of the world, in a growing part of the, the global economy. Uh, so we want a, the benefits of this trade agreement, but we obviously, you know, we want to make sure it's a good agreement. And this will have some influence as well on our Canadian friends where access issues are still a challenge. And it will also, I think, uh, create momentum potentially for the transatlantic partnership agreement, which uh, could be the largest trade agreement in the history of mankind. So a lot on the table here, Jeff, with reference to trade, but it's got to be a, a decent deal. No, no doubt about that. Last week before the United Nations, the president asked the rest of the, the, the members to follow the U.S. lead on climate change. And then you and the Secretary of State, John Kerry, uh, talking about the Global Alliance for Climate Smart Agriculture. What are some of the finer details that, that the U.S. is taking a lead there? Well, it's really designed to identify the technologies and techniques that will work to ensure that we continue to have global agriculture doing what it needs to do to provide the food product for a growing world population. Uh, I can tell you that uh, we're seeing it here in the U.S., uh, and that's why we established the climate hubs. Uh, to do an analysis of you know how climate is impacting and affecting whether variability is impacting and affecting farmers' decisions and what farmers are able to do and how we can help farmers adjust how we can make them continue to be productive how we can allow them to mitigate and adapt the consequences of of climate uh, change and weather variability once we have that that can be applied internationally we can help our friends and neighbors all over the world adjusting to the same challenges uh, and and so that's one thing and secondly. Uh, is you know making sure that uh, we put pressure, if you will, on other countries to step up their game as well. This is you know the United States could do everything right, uh, could do all the things it needs to do to reduce greenhouse gases. I mean we were already agriculture is already uh, about eight percent of emissions here in the United States. It's fourteen percent internationally, so we're already stepping up our game. Uh, but even if we do everything we we are supposed to do, and the rest of the world does not, or some of the major emitters do, do not. Uh, it, it won't be as effective. So it's necessary for us to lead, but we have to lead by example. And uh, I think we're prepared to do that. I did note the Brazilians suggest they would not commit to halting deforestation by 2030, and the Chinese said they would work to reduce emissions as soon as they could. It would be easy for the U.S. to fall on the sword here and still see emissions go up if the rest of the world wouldn't follow. That's right, and uh, that's why this alliance is important, because it's a growing number of countries in all parts of the world who are committed uh, to to working together. And I think, frankly, the more we can get NGOs, the more we can get other countries engaged in this, the more we identify successful techniques and technologies, uh, the, the, the more pressure we'll build on the Brazils and on the Chinese uh, to, uh, to make adjustments. And look, this is a, a serious issue. And, you know, we are blessed in one sense because of the enormous variety and, and affordability and diversity of American agriculture and the incredible productivity of American agriculture. Uh, but I will tell you, when you sit and talk to folks uh, from some of these island nations, they're, they're deeply concerned about what's going to happen. Uh, and uh, they're looking to us for help. And I, I think we're in a position to provide that leadership. Well, this segment is called Open Mic. Mr. Secretary, the mic is yours. Well, Jeff, I just want to thank you for giving us an opportunity to sort of showcase what we're doing in this farm bill. And I hope folks understand and appreciate we are doing this in a thoughtful and and strategic way, and, and they need to take advantage of the tools that we're making available on ARC and PLC. We realize how, how 
terribly important this decision is, and we want to make sure that every producer makes the right decision for themselves. It is very much, and I'll leave you with this, it's very much an individual decision. There is no hard and fast rule. There's no, if you grow this, you ought to go PLC. If you grow that, you should do ARC. If you're in this part of the country, this is what you should do. There is no hard and fast rule here. It is very much an individual decision, farm by farm, commodity by commodity, and folks need to take the time, uh, listen, learn, uh, and then make the best decision they possibly can for their operation. Our thanks to U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. NCIS provides the primary safety net for millions of acres of cropland and hundreds of commodities across the U.S., enabling farmers to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.